Welcome not only to the fellowship, but welcome to commencement week. If you've been following our Instagram at Nation Golf, then you know our commencement collection is debuting this Friday, September 29th, followed by a launch party and a Nation Desert Classic movie premiere here at the store in San Clemente on Saturday, September 30th. So yes, welcome to the fellowship, but also Welcome to Commencement Week. We'll have more on the collection and the launch party coming up. But first, once again, we failed to get a podcast out on a Monday because here we are for the fourth week in a row releasing an episode a day late because after a busy weekend with the most professional, most technical, most expensive, and longest photo shoot of our company's existence, Ryan Engel, the founder and CEO of Nation Golf, decided to take a two-day trip to the crappiest, sorry, happiest place on earth, Disneyland. Now, Ryan, I thought you didn't ever want to be caught dead in North Orange County. Get me behind the gates of anywhere nice, and I'm keen. We're not going to revisit it, but whenever you go back to Disneyland, you are returning to the scene of the crime. A crime you committed on the Pirates of the Caribbean when you disembarked the boat on that ride and attempted to remove some glued down pirate's booty and wound up in Disneyland jail. So yeah, the first ride we went on was Pirates of the Caribbean, so it was the scene of the crime. My daughters at that age now, two and a half, were able to bring her onto a lot of these rides. And it was actually pretty cool because now she's old enough to kind of be stoked at what's going on. And we were on the ride and, you know, for a two and a half year old, that ride's pretty nuts. You're going down the down the little wash there a few times, and there's some creepy looking mannequins spinning around in circles. And like we've gone over before, I, I can't really find the scene of the crime any, anymore because since those movies came out, they remodeled the ride a little bit. The scene of the crime was towards the end where there used to be the like riches area. The treasure. Yeah. And now it's like Johnny Depp's in that weird, creepy little box. They have like a treasure area at the beginning and they tried to map it around the movie, which I get. Back in the day, you could see those little green exit signs high beyond all the theatrics. And I was just looking for them. I couldn't see any, which is crazy because if there was a situation and you're down there, that ride goes underground. Where do you escape? Maybe they turn the lights on if that happens and you see the exit signs then, but... Back in the day, you could see him, so that's how I planned my attack that failed miserably. <laughs> Where you got off the boat, you tried to steal yeah. some treasure, and yeah. then you ran for an exit sign. Yeah. And then wound up in Disneyland jail. Yeah. The good part of that was it was before the uh, World Wide Web, so I wasn't in the system anymore, and I can still enjoy the park today. So one day of long lines, big crowds, zero thrills, and getting your pockets turned inside out wasn't enough. You had to nope. go back for day we got, two. We got the lightning pass. Never waited longer than 15 minutes in any of the lines. You just got to schedule it out and use the app and rip around, eat some park food, corn dogs, churros. It's great, man. And the people watching. Mm. That's why you go to Disneyland. Is that right? Yeah. Some of the most interesting people in the world. A lot of childless couples hang out at Disneyland. It's awkward. It's weird. But it is what it is. You know, you can say what you want. Everything gets blown up on the corporate level. Everyone's got an angle. Everyone's got a, a way to make a buck. And clearly Disneyland makes a lot of money. But they still hold on to that old Hollywood charm of what made them great. That stuff's cool. It's great for kids. Tell you what, after a day running around that park, your dogs are barking. Well, I'm glad you had a great time in North Orange County. That being said, save your money. Because <laughs> we ain't going back that way for a while. <laughs> 
Well, no professional golf this past weekend because the PGA Tour is on break while the 23 best players in the world and Justin Thomas prepare to tee it up in Rome for the Ryder Cup. As a reminder, Ryan Engel has taken the underdog Euros to defend their home soil and beat the USA, and I'm on the side riding with the red, white, and blue to do something they haven't done in 30 years, and that's win one of these across the pond. Now, more than likely, neither one of us are going to get to watch very much of this because of how busy this upcoming weekend is with the collection launch on Friday and the party at the store on Saturday. But hopefully we can kick our feet up on Sunday and watch the single matches from start to finish. And hopefully we get some drama down the stretch. Are you going to watch on Sunday? You, oh God, what's Sunday? I think we have something going on. I don't even know. The past, I don't know, three months of my life and our lives are intertwined with a lot of stuff, so you can back me up on this because a lot of it, we're in it together, but outside of that in our own personal lives as well, I don't know if I've ever been this busy in my life. Mm-hmm. Every single weekend, week, there's just stuff going on. It happens when your family grows, I get it. I wish our business was growing a little more, but yeah, it's, it's wild. I, I, I mean, I don't even want to pull my phone up. My phone scares me. I open my email, I get an adrenaline rush. Those butterflies in your stomach like before a test in high school, you know, you're like, oh God, oh God, what what am I going to find here? As you get older, guys, listen to this. Be prepared every day to manage some bad news. As you get older, you're going to have, if you're lucky, at least one kind of gut tingling obstacle. It just seems as lately with everything being so busy and crazy, it's like we're getting three, four a day. <laughs> But that's just the nature of it. So I don't know if I'm watching Sunday. I think I think we got something going on. And again, I'm not even going to look right now. I'll look later. So we need to attach a bet to the Ryder Cup. We said that we would a couple of weeks ago. You have the European side. I've got the USA side. Here's what I was thinking. We're not going to bet money because, quite honestly, we don't have it. We don't have it right now. But here's what I was thinking. If Europe wins, then I'm going to fold every single polo we sell off of the rack. And here's some quick backstory on this. I don't know how to do retail folds of our garments. I just can't do it. I know how to fold my own laundry because I don't care and it's sloppy, but it's worked and it's worked for the last 25 years. But when it comes to perfectly folding a luxury garment and making it fit in a poly bag, I don't stand a chance. I never have stood a chance. And for the last four years, you have folded every single one of the shirts that we sell off the rack. So if Europe wins, I will commit to learning how to do a retail fold and folding every single garment from after the Ryder Cup forward. So what do I get out of that? Watch you fuck a bunch of shirts up? No, I'm going to learn it and then you're never going to have to do it. I'm going to do it up to the standard that needs to be done. I will become the laundry man around here. So I don't have to do it ever again? Ever again. Okay. If the USA wins, then you are going to lead host the next podcast. You're going to write the topics. You're going to drive the show. It's all on you. Easy. You're going to bring us in and out, and you're going to be in charge of the rundown. Maybe we'll finally go viral and actually make some money at this stupid thing. So this isn't a money bet, but each of us are wagering something that the other person either doesn't want to do, hates doing, or can't do altogether. So I actually really like this action. Can't do it. Can't win with them. Can't do it. Do we have a deal? Yeah, sure. Okay, great. Should be fun. We're not going to see much of it, but it should be fun. Let me know how it goes. Let me ask you a philosophical and rhetorical question, and I'm not trying to stump you or blow you up, but do you know the difference between knowing and understanding? Because I believe you know something about me, but I don't know if 
you understand it because to know something is to acknowledge its existence as a fact, but to understand something is to accept it for what it is. What are we getting at here? We're going to go deep. Oh, God. You ready? <laughs> yeah, sure. Some real talk here. Real talk. On the fellowship. Here's what you know about me, but I don't know if you understand. I bring a nervous energy with me to everything. Everything. Of consequence, no matter how No, big. no, 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 no. To everything. Let me pause you right there. We were just at this photo shoot a couple days ago. This is what I'm getting at. And we're all doing our thing. You're out there having a moment to yourself and you're arched back in some patio furniture that you moved in the middle of the lawn in the middle of the backyard facing the sun. And it looked like you were trying to relax or to let out some, some smoke, so to speak. And you just still in that moment looked so anxious and nervous and awkward. Whoever I was talking to next to me, I was like, look at Hawk. Even when he's trying to relax, he looks like he's so wound tight. I have that quote of yours verbatim in my notes that I'm going to get to. Please tell me what I said. That's exactly what you did say. But it's interesting you remember that because I remember it too. But again, I bring a nervous energy with me to everything that I do. I'm a tightly wound guy. I can't hide it. It's who I am. It's how I'm wired. You see it all the time around here, whether we're planning an event, launching a sale, recording an episode of The Fellowship, playing the Indian Wells member guest together, or most recently, as you alluded to, the photo shoot that we did on Saturday. I have a case of high-functioning anxiety. And I say high-functioning because while anxiety can be crippling at some times, and you've seen me have legit panic attacks before, most of the time, my anxiety is a combustible fuel that I use to get the results that I'm looking for. And here's where most of my anxiety comes from, both the good and the bad parts of it. It comes from a need to be in control and it comes from wanting to know the end result before actually executing it and getting there. And I bet a lot of people can relate to this. When you have something planned, whether you're going to a concert or about to write a big paper, or you have dinner reservations for an important date night with your wife, or you're driving somewhere where you need to be on time and there's traffic, or you have a big interview with people you want to impress. In all of those instances, my mind is jumping out of the present and into the future because the future is unpredictable, but my mind is wired to fear unpredictability. And I do everything I can to try to impact and control that unknown, uncertain future. When my anxiety is working for the good, it leads to a lot of preparation, and that preparation starts to inform me and my mind on what the future might look like because I'm quite literally preparing for it and all the possible variations of it. Which is why you're good at writing. Thank you. And this preparation calms me down to a certain degree because I feel like I'm in more control of an outcome. Now, when the anxiety is working the wrong way and spinning me out, it leads to racing thoughts that I can't control an increased heart rate and decreased appetite and such a sense of fear of the unknown that I'll reach a point of a mental spin out that results in my body taking over and quite literally shutting down my mind by overriding the entire system, which causes fatigue both mentally and emotionally. And I start to get into this protective shell because my body is protecting my mind, but it comes at the cost of both the mind and the body shutting down. Now, I know all this sounds like a heavy therapy session, but that's not why I bring it up. I bring it up because this happened, and you already talked about it, to me on Saturday during our photo shoot, and you noticed it. I kept coming up to you going, what's up, dude? 
you were checking in on me. You were asking the friendly questions of, you all right? You good? You don't seem good. And then there were the jokes, like when I went to sit outside and lounge in the sun to reset. And you said, quote, man, even when you're trying to relax, you look stressed. And then a few of our friends who were modeling said things like, damn, Hawk, loosen up. I can feel your bad energy from here, man. And here's what's really interesting about hearing those things. And I'm going to let you jump in here in just a sec, but I'm just setting the table so you can react to it. But here's what's interesting about when you hear those things. I know that they come from a lighthearted and even caring place. But the next time someone tells someone to calm down or relax and it actually works, we'll be the first. Just ask any husband in the world who has dared to tell their wife to calm down. And there's a reason any man still breathing has only said it once. But in my case, I don't get angry about it. I just get super self-conscious. And as a chronic people pleaser and dynamic manager, I start to become I'm okay. very aware and tuned into the fact that my outward presence is radiating a bad vibe. And knowing that causes a bit more of an internal spin out like, oh, man, I screwed up. I brought it down. What can I do to fix it? Then I start to overassure the people around me that everything is good or I just fade further into the shell. But either way, the anxiety, which I was calming down from, starts to ramp up again. And again, to go back to the beginning, this all comes from a place of wanting to be in control of the future. So in the case of the photo shoot, when we're bringing seven people into someone else's home, which is stressful enough for a long day after a long drive, we're working with a professional camera crew so far above our usual environment and expertise, we're spending money, we have results in mind, we're turning all of this around on a super tight schedule so we can get product launched by a certain date. We've got a party to plan the very following weekend. We're far from home base. I'm missing my daughter's soccer game. I'm leaving my wife alone with two kids for an entire day only to leave them alone again the next day for another side hustle. All of this goes through my head all the time and I just feel pulled in a million different directions and I feel guilty and self-conscious for letting my mind affect my outward demeanor and I feel bad that we've got so many people doing such a huge favor for us and I want them to be happy and I'm reading their body language too and it just shuts me down and it's a really fucked feeling and I know that you know that I battle this all the time but my question to you is after hearing all of that and thank you for sitting through it I know that you know all that but do you understand it? Of course I understand it but I'm watching it in real time you're watching someone just basically not help themselves because you're doing it to yourself you are your own biggest enemy. We tell our daughter, blow out the candles. <sighs> Let it go. Blow it out. Look, dude, I know it's easier said than done, but we're all going to close our eyes one day and it's all going to be over. We get a little short stint on this rock spinning around in space. And once you think about that, as morbid as it sounds, none of this shit matters, dude. Is it important? Yeah. I still stress about stuff, but I've just learned to put it in pockets. There's a time and place to stress on it. Even getting ready for that photo shoot was fucking stressful. I'm not dogging you. You got your life to live too. But I was hustling all the shit here by myself, packing up, going over checklists and getting all the gear there and planning the day, getting the models to show up in my house and like drive up there, all yada, 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 you know, and that's all stressful. And it's just like, once I get there, it's like, all right, the car's parked. We fucking made it. We're alive. The only way this thing's going to sing is if I just am in the moment and try to make this fun and not for everyone else, but for me to personally enjoy it. You know, sometimes you got to shelf your stuff. We live in a day and an age where we're kind of towing this line of, yes, it's good to be aware of your feelings and address your hurdles, be aware of what holds you back and think about the things that you struggle with. 
whatever that may be, physical, mental, emotional, all that shit. Yes, that all matters. But we're kind of being either consciously or subconsciously told to just wear that all the time. I don't think that it's healthy to always bring that. I think it's healthy to be aware of it, but we've all got jobs to do. We've all got to like put ourselves aside for certain things, whether it's our wife, our kids, our business. You cannot successfully operate all the obstacles in life, in my opinion, by bringing your dirty laundry to everything. I think it's good to be aware of it, but I think practicing being able to shelf something, I think that's a way better way to handle it. I'm no psychologist. I'm no expert. I'm just telling you, I have the same issues you have, and I still stumble and struggle hosting and organizing and getting ready for the tournament every year. Dude, the early years, I was probably a nightmare to deal with with all that stuff. And it's taken me years to get better at that. But I've realized through those like major processes of throwing events, having people like depending on you, the pressures of all that stuff, organizing things on the back end with the club and the contract and the money. It's just a massive laundry list of stuff for someone who's not good at planning, organizing, listening, paying attention, has ADHD. But I've learned that it's just like, man, there's a time and place to tackle those things. Think about it. If you were feeling that thing and you pulled up to Lander's house, had a moment in your car, took a deep breath, looked yourself in the eye and be like, look, I'm going to deal with all this shit tomorrow or later. I'm fucking here. Pour me a drink. Let's go. Probably would have been able to do better. I think the secret lies in being able to come back to stuff because in my opinion, it doesn't make sense. If we all walked around with a fucking floating screen above our head that set all of our problems, how could our society run? You can't go to the store and be in line and make your issues some stranger in front of you's issues, you know? It just doesn't work like that. You got to sometimes tuck your shirt in, tighten up your belt, and be in the present, be a part of society and the immediate group around you, and come back to that shit later. Because dealing with it in those moments isn't going to fucking help. It just clearly made it worse because you worried about it the whole time. The secret to you having a better day that day was to fucking forget about it for those 10 hours. It's still going to be there. We're still going to cross that bridge. We're still going to have to pay those invoices. We're still going to have to do all that stuff. But fuck, man. Let's go have some pigs in a blanket, glass of scotch, a fake Hollywood herbal cigarette, and fucking share some laughs. That's my opinion. So you're advocating for compartmentalizing. Yeah. Okay. And that's fair. That's fair. I would say that First off, it didn't tank my whole day. No, I'm not. It wasn't that bad. I'm just saying I saw it because I know you that there was an effect on it. I'm not trying to make it sound like it was a fucking complete failure. It wasn't. We all had fun. And quite frankly, it's fun watching you squirm a little bit because it's just nice to poke the bear. But I think there's a better way for you to get through those things. Well, for me, the way to get through it is to go find some place to decompress for a sec, which is what I tried to do outside or tried to do in the egg chair away from everybody. And I'm super self-conscious about not trying to outwardly show that I'm going through a little bit of a mild panic attack. But even when people like you have the best intentions in mind of coming over and saying, hey, is everything going okay? And I cannot do enough to reassure you that yes, everything is going okay. That just further drives me into that mental spiral because now I know that this thing has been recognized and picked up upon by other people. 
And then I get self-conscious about it because it's like, shit, I'm in the middle of one of these spin-outs and people have noticed when all I need to do is have that super tight compression just start to unfold for a couple of minutes so I can bounce back. But it's really interesting when anxiety starts to take over your mind that your body actually starts to shut down too. And the reason I was asking to be understood is because I think that it would make me feel a little bit better to know that it was understood because I'm not actively seeking to sabotage anything that we're working on or to bring the mood down. And I would trade anything to get rid of the anxiety that comes with being me and that me sitting on the side quietly is a form of recovery, not a vibe killer or a cry for attention. And I'm trying during those things to get out of my head. And when I hear how much it looks and feels like I'm in my own head, it just puts me right back in there. And yes, for those wondering, I've absolutely done therapy, lots of sessions, and it's how and why I know all these things about myself. I didn't just make this stuff up and I can speak on it because it's been taught to me by a therapist. And I know, just like some of you know, that the very root of all anxiety is believing your thoughts to be reality. It's as simple as that when you boil it down. It's your brain misinterpreting thoughts as truth. When thoughts aren't truth, they're thoughts. None of those thoughts have played out in reality. They're in your head. But when you have anxiety, you don't know the difference. Mm. And speaking of the difference, I think the biggest difference between our two personalities is that you are extremely good and more importantly, confident with shooting from the hip and going with the flow. And the confidence that you have in shooting from the hip normally results in the bullet hitting the target or getting close enough for you to be totally okay with it. And I envy that. For me, I want to clean the gun, inspect the gun, aim it, take a few practice shots, make sure everyone around me has their protective headphones on and is okay <laughs> with what I'm about to do. And then I'll fire around. And then afterwards, I'll ask if that was okay. You know what I mean? Like, I only get my confidence through extreme preparedness and taking into account how everyone around me is feeling. And that's not you. And God bless you for it because this company would not work if that was how you operated. And on top of that, you're a natural born tough love coach. And that comes from your history of raising your younger brother at an early age. And whereas you might want to coach me out of things in your own way, I am looking more for positive affirmation and maybe even some space. Mm. So what are you, you just trying to tell me to lighten up and leave you alone? I'm not trying to tell anyone anything. I feel like I understand you and how you approach these things. Again, you've laid out. You compartmentalize this stuff because maybe you deal with it too, but you have a way of compartmentalizing it. You shoot from the hip. You bring a confidence to something that you might not be totally sure of. I'm the exact opposite. And I understand your way of doing things. Do you understand my way of just going in a corner and like decompressing for half an hour so I can get my mind right? Yeah. I don't think it's working, but yeah, I understand what you're doing. That's why I was asking you the whole thing. Like, dude, are you all right? As they say in the business, let's put a bow on this. Okay. How do we finish this segment here? Are you okay? Yeah. Do you want me to leave the room? You want to just talk to the people without me here? Or? I honestly think that these types of conversations are extremely important. And we have not had this conversation outside of doing it right now. I'm well aware of what the fuck's going on with you. I'm also well aware that I have a hard time deciding in the moment whether to help you or make fun of you. It's a struggle that I have because it's like, I know it's serious to you, but it's not life-threatening serious. So it's a thing that's 
easy to make fun of and we get a lot of traction out of it. And you're a really good sport when it comes to some cat and mouse stuff. So, you know, there's that too. It's enjoyable because of those things. So yeah, I, I'm well aware of what's going on. I just really have a issue with how best to deal with it. It's fine. It's funny. It's fine. The only reason I brought it up today is because we are coming off of this photo shoot. I did have that hour of just kind of melting down in my own head. You did notice it. And I thought, hell, let's bring it up on the podcast and talk it out because we can better understand each other's positions. You know what helped me release all the stress and future obstacles from this photo shoot and everything that's going on business-wise right now was on the way home, we went to a nice, great American establishment and just kind of let our gigglies out, bought a t-shirt on the way out, had a couple shooters, a couple of beers, some fried pickles, really just took part in good old-fashioned American culture. Did the restaurant you go to rhyme with shooters? <laughs> it did rhyme with shooters. It's a nice little place we like to call Hooters. <laughs> Good for you. It was pretty cool. We're like, hey, let's get on the freeway. We're leaving LA. It's late. And I told the boys, Chris and Kai are in the car. My wife's in the front seat. And I was like, I'll get you guys some food. What do you guys feel like? I'm like, dude, burger sounds good. Let's get down the freeway a little bit, get a little closer to home, and we'll we'll stop somewhere comfy and get out and just kind of like relax, you know, because we know we're, we're almost there. So we're getting off on Harbor in Costa Mesa, and you see across the freeway on the left because we're going to go to In-N-Out right there, across the freeway on the left, there's the, the Hooters sign, you know? And Chris Carl is like, oh, there's a Hooters over there. I've never been to one. And I just went, cut across the lanes and just beelined right over there. And we just pulled up and everyone's just giggling and laughing. And it was such a mood lifter. It was pretty fun. I used to live very close to that exact Hooters that you're talking about. And there will come a day where you bring your daughter to a Hooters. Because I have gone to Hooters with my kids before. That's a bold move. I mean, look, they've got decent food and pretty cold beers. Yeah. That's prerequisite one and two for restaurants. I don't think I'm the first person to bring my family with young kids to Hooters. And believe it or not, my wife, Hooters is probably on her top three favorite restaurants of all time. I'm telling you, the fried pickles. Yeah. And who isn't a wings guy? They got great wings. Crispy. Crispy wings. Beers are cold, and the help there, just unbelievable personalities, like really, really cool down-to-earth people. I thoroughly enjoy the service. Good. I'm glad that you thoroughly enjoy the service at Hooters and the personalities of your servers. That's... Yeah, we had a waitress. I can't remember her name, but she was a nice girl. <laughs> so all of that said about the whole anxiety thing, I do want to say this with my right hand on the Bible and my left hand to God. What an incredible day we had Saturday at the photo shoot. I truly loved it despite an early afternoon spin out. And I don't want you, Ryan, or anyone listening to think that one hour in the tank ruined or clouded the other 11 hours where it was just magical. And a huge thanks to Michael and Sally Lander, two Hollywood industry professionals who are now like family to us. They opened up just about every square inch of their amazing 1950s home to us, let us walk all over the place with shoes on, rearrange their furniture, smoke Hollywood herbal cigarettes indoors, more on that in a second, and do our thing from 10 in the morning till 8 o'clock at night at the expense of their two dogs and a cat who had to deal with a bunch of strangers upending their lives. 
And I think I speak for both of us. We are so excited to see the results for many reasons, but besides how damn good they are at their jobs, I think what I'm most excited about is that this is the first time we've ever shot photos and videos with like-minded people behind the lens, directing the whole thing. And no disrespect to anyone we've ever worked with before. And we've worked with some super talented, awesome people, but we've never worked with someone who has the same affinity for mid-century as we do. In fact, they, the landers, are way further down the road than us. Their entire house and closets are a nod to vintage mid-century antique culture. The girls we had in our shoot were using Sally's dresses. Their home and decor were our sets. So I can't wait to see what turns up. Yeah, they sent us a little Dropbox folder that we're supposed to get back to them not to add any more anxiety to your table, but very soon. Wait, so while we're recording this, they just sent through a Dropbox folder? Uh, they sent it last night, and we're supposed to get back to them ASAP on what photos need to be color corrected, and we are up against it right now. It's on my list, my mental list. <laughs> Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Okay, so here I am doing a self-indulged therapy session on a podcast, and we've actually got work to do. Oh, we've got a lot of work to do. It also has to be said that Nation Golf and the power of the internet made this whole thing on Saturday possible. Michael Lander saw that we started selling vintage golf apparel and equipment a few months back. He DM'd us wanting to know if we'd be interested in a Miller High Life staff bag that he had in his possession. And that bag was and still is the most beautiful bag we've ever seen. And look, I read a lot of DMs and have for the past four years, so I don't exactly keep track of everyone or everything, but I scrolled up in the DM with Michael Lander when we were talking about that bag, and this dude had been talking to us since 2019 and supporting us and had grabbed a bunch of polos in the past. Oh, wow. So I really wanted to meet him, and he came down with the bag, gave us a sweetheart deal, hung out at the store, told us about his Hollywood life, and left as our friend and then asked us if we wanted to come up and see his place because he said it would be perfect for a photo shoot. And we did. And then he said he could shoot it. So we hired him instead of bringing up our own guy. And then we met his amazing wife, Sally. And it all just started coming together in such a serendipitous way. Mm. And what do you know? Two months after selling us a bag, which is now the crown jewel of our buddy's collection, we're up in their house doing our biggest and best photo shoot ever, and now the Landers are like family just like that. It's a really cool origin story if you ask me, and if you ask them too, and they write stories for a living. I will say this. Throughout my life, I've always looked to people for inspiration. A lot of the times, that's you know people older than you. When you're young and your mind is simple, just like all these man children who wear... NFL costumes on the weekend. Your your heroes are these sports people or like, you know, I had these older guys who surfed good that I looked up to because they were good at riding the tube or doing cutbacks, you know, and you're like, oh yeah, he's the best, you know, like who knows if he's even a good person, but that's all that mattered then, you know, and then it's like, oh wow, this guy's so good at golf. Like I look up to him for that, you know, but as you become mature, hopefully you kind of change the direction of what inspires you, who's mentoring you, whether they know it or not. And now it's people who I know who are good family men and businessmen and are able to to balance that work and play life because that's just what I want the most. It's always the things that you think people are doing really well that you're not necessarily good at. And man, after going up there this weekend and doing that photo shoot, the thing I pull the most from. I'm, I'm completely inspired 
by the amount of incredible patience that they all showed. I could not believe how patient they were. Carlos, Michael, Sally, David. I was just like, even towards the end, I'm going, whoa, I'm losing my patience. And I'm watching them just like, oh, try it like this and, and changing the lighting and stuff. And I was just like, fuck, man. They seemed like they could go another 10 hours if they needed to, to get the shot. It kind of put things in perspective for me, realizing, you know, in their world, when they're creating their art and doing their things, that's what it obviously takes. I was done with that photo shoot by when we started 11, we started shooting. At 1245, I was pretty much done. (laughs) I was just like, holy shit, can we just hang out and drink? Because I'm losing my marbles over here. You know, I did my best, moved around a lot. I just tried to like chop it up with everybody. And I guess you could just chalk that up to a good day. I was incredibly inspired by their obvious artistic touch and professionalism, but more so than that, their patience was unbelievable to me. I would wholeheartedly agree. It was incredible to watch. And man, the amount of work and effort that goes into getting stuff like this of the highest caliber. And I told you at one point, I leaned in during the photo shoot, we're about halfway through the day. And I said, imagine acting doing a script, having lines, hitting marks. What we were doing was just standing in place and having photos taken. Right. Imagine 20 more people on that set, a bunch of actors, dialogue, and then having to have that all come across as real. And so when the viewer ultimately sees that they believe in what they're seeing, it's incredible what the entertainment industry does and how much work goes behind getting something of the utmost quality that will yield 90 minutes to two hours of entertainment for someone like us right? who just watches it on Netflix and just clicks to the next thing as soon as we're done. Yeah, just leaning back on your couch, scratching your balls. God, I can't find any shows on right now. Yeah, (laughs) and it's so funny to hear some outsider's perspective about the writer's strike or about Hollywood in general, that it's just a bunch of spoiled assholes who haven't worked a day in their life and you go and see it up close and just a microcosm of it and how much work it took to get that done. You want to talk about a stress fest. Could you imagine being in charge of something substantial like that? Yeah. And humans. Right. And time hitting your mark. Dude, that whole experience blew me away. I was just like, fuck, you can have it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about our highlights from the day. I'll run down mine quickly. Mike's Pizza, we ordered it for lunch. I cannot recommend it enough. If you're in the Baldwin Hills neighborhood, go get yourself some Mike's Pizza. It was pretty good. And Mike, if you're listening, we are accepting sponsorship. Especially for our party on Saturday night, because we got to figure out the food. (laughs) Absolutely. Chris Carlo, one of the models and one of our friends in the pink Sansa belts, definitely a highlight for me. Can't wait for people to see those pictures. And I already knew this, but Chris is an amazing guy. My wife hasn't really got to know him or whatever, and she was just like, God, I really love Chris. He is so cool. So shout out to Chris Carlo. My biggest thing was I had this feeling. I knew he was going to nail it, but Kai Franz, he was modeling, and he was bringing great energy. Kai was my MVP for the day because he came into it hungover and saw a very, very professional atmosphere and decided to try to take it down to the amateur level as quickly as possible. And we needed that. He brought the lighthearted energy. He brought the laughs. And at one point he was wrapped and he was done doing his stuff. And you and I had to jump in at the end and do photos. And one of the first photos we had to take was at the window where we are turned around. Our backs are to the camera and we're looking out into beautiful Los Angeles, a 
as far west as Playa del Rey to as far east as the Coliseum. The whole city is right in front of us. We're staring out. We're getting our pictures taken. And then it's time for us to turn around and face the camera. And we start taking some pictures. And Kai looks at the monitor where the pictures are popping up. And now our faces are in him. And he goes, "Uh, hey, yeah, would you guys mind turning around again, please? (laughs) (laughs) It was fantastic. So this guy, 12 hours into it and completely zonked and drunk, still had jokes and he loosened us up. Kai was definitely the MVP for me. Caesar absolutely owned it. We found Caesar because he was in a Nation Desert classic photo and just absolutely had the look. So we grabbed Caesar, a longtime customer and a friend of your brother's and had him come up and he was great. Yep. The girls crushed it and them and Sally's dresses oh looked amazing. Sally's little secret wardrobe finds were... Unbelievable. Yeah. You could go to the Long Beach flea market and sell those things 300 bucks a pop. Absolutely. One of my highlights, smoking Hollywood cigarettes and cigars. The herbal Hollywood cigar that I smoked, two of them. I don't know if it was pure placebo or what, but I was feeling something. I had a buzz going. So these are what you see in the movies when someone's smoking a cigar or a cigarette. They are additive-free, tobacco-free. Right. No nicotine. Nicotine-free. They look like the real thing. They smoke like the real thing. They taste like tea. Yeah, they do taste like tea, yeah. Yeah, and they smell like fire more than they smell like smoke, if that makes any sense. Yeah, they were good. They were good. Yeah. And the fact that we got to smoke some Hollywood cigs and cigars was pretty awesome. Uh, Yeah, it was awesome. Would have preferred the real thing. Yeah, but we're in someone else's house. That's true. And we're not going to burn the place down. Or just saturate their popcorn ceiling. Actually, I don't think they have a popcorn ceiling. I think they had it in the bedrooms. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Luckily, we got to get the look and feel of the cigs and cigars without making their house smell like a bowling alley. Yep. Uh, One of the lowlights was the cat fail. I tried to take pictures with their cat, Connie. It went about as well as you think it would go when you're trying to get a cat to be in photos with you. Especially considering that no one on earth would ever want to see those photos or the company would never even use them. But a great way to just waste those patient people's time. Yeah, I regret that. We tried. We failed. No one wanted to do it except me. You know I love cats and they have a great cat. And I said, I want to take pictures with this cat. And the cat hissed at me, tried to bite me. It shows how patient they actually were because it was failing from the get-go. And they just kept trying and trying and trying and trying to help you get this stupid photo that didn't matter. Can I give my favorite part? Oh, your highlights. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. The thoroughness in which the Landers gave us for how the day is going to go, the shot list, this and that, and then really going over the legality of things, making sure no one's too buzzed or is going to sue us by tripping over a crack in the concrete, you know, and and good for them. They they needed to go over that. I think they know now they don't need to worry about us because we're not like that, but They really made a point that like, hey, it's going to be a long day, so we're going to put iced tea in the cocktails, so you're not drinking whiskey all day, and yada, yada, yada. And I sensed that they were a little worried that our crew was going to get a little too liberated. We walk in, everyone's carrying a bin of some sort. We get in, they're setting up the cameras, and they're all there. Everyone's excited. And the first thing out of my mouth, I just go, all right, let's get drunk. And just the look on their face was priceless. Yep. I tried their tea a couple times. It was good tea, but I did just drink scotch all day. (laughs) You brought a bottle for Michael Lander and then ended up drinking the bottle that you brought him. Yeah. Classic move. That's my signature move. Now, the good news is you just drank 
the bottle of gift scotch. You didn't go rummaging through their fridge because that's a Ingle tradition is to go into someone else's fridge. I never went in their fridge. I did get ice out of that bottom tray, but I never looked in their fridge. That's hard for me to do. Way to practice self-restraint on yeah. that one. I just shelved that issue for the greater good of the day. It goes without saying, but a massive thank you to Michael Lander, Sally Lander, Carlos, David, Annika, one of our models, Katie Kai, one of our models, and then the boys, Kai, Caesar, and Chris Carlo, who went through a super long day with us, and we really appreciate them doing it. So now we turn our attention to this weekend. On Friday, September 29th, we will release our new commencement collection online, four new polos, a mock neck It's been a long time coming. The product is in hand, and we cannot wait to launch. Don't forget, we have classic caps, high crown tour visors, driver head covers, and T-shirts. And then on Saturday, we will have our launch party. We will premiere the Nation Desert Classic movie. It's a recap video of the 15th annual Nation Desert Classic, which happened earlier in May. If you were at that tournament, we would love for you to be at the party on Saturday. One thing to be at the tournament Let's find out if you made the cut and you're in the movie. We have our showroom unveiling at the party, the new showroom that you built. We will be debuting our new collection in person. Again, it will go online a day earlier, but we'll do it in person the following day at the party. And come on down for some food, drink, and fellowship. Our address is 915 Calle Amanacer here in San Clemente, California, 92673. Don't worry about the sweet number. You will see a bunch of people standing outside having a good old time, and we hope that you join us for that. Are you excited for the party? I am. I cannot wait to launch this stuff because, as we've talked about, I'm the most impatient person in this whole arena. So having the gear here, waiting on these photos, waiting on this launch date, I'm just going crazy but that being said we have a lot of shit to do to get to that so i'm gonna again shelf that stuff work on the now hoping people come the one hiccup we have is there's a big music festival in dana point i'm sure a lot of our friends are going because charlie crockett's playing on saturday but he's not headlining so if any of yous who are going to that decide to stay and miss our party because you want to see the dixie chicks and eddie vetter play at Doheny, you're an idiot. You're banned for life. Yeah, because the only reason why Eddie Vedder gets to play this show every year is because he puts on this concert. (laughs) It might be his only tour stop for the entire year, if you ask me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's not beat around the bush here. We're just going to come out and say it. We need your support. Go big on this release. Grab something for you. Get a head start on your holiday shopping and grab something for someone else. Add another item or accessory to your cart when you're checking out. Just do it. Go big on this release. We need the support. We've put a lot of time and energy into this collection. We named it the commencement collection because commencement means a new beginning. And this is a new beginning for us. We are, I don't know, a year, 18 months from having done anything this big or this special. We've learned a lot. We've taken a a lot on the chin in the last year and a half, as have so many other e-commerce brands. It's just a nature of the times. It's a nature of the economy. But we remain in the fight, and now we need you to go big and go hard on this collection, sell it out, and let's just keep this ball rolling. We do appreciate that support. 
And while you're here, the podcast needs your help too. If you're enjoying it and enhancing your week by listening to it, by listening to this free content, do us a favor and share the good news. Post about it in your stories. Text a link to a friend. Reach out and DM us on Instagram. Send us an email, nationgolfco at gmail. Let's grow this thing together. We're still waiting for someone to tell us that it sucks. And since that hasn't happened yet, we're pretty confident that it's a good product. So if it's good and it's free and you like it, share it with someone else and let them start liking it too. And let's grow the damn thing together. Grow the nation game. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That is going to do it for us. We really appreciate you listening. We will see you Saturday here at the Nation Golf Party. Come on down. I'll pour a Miller Lite down your throat. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks so much for listening.